Welcome to the History AI Podcast, where the past comes alive with facts, anecdotes, and a dash of humor. Here are your hosts, Chuck and Marco. Hello, history buffs, and welcome back to the History AI Podcast. I'm Chuck. And I'm Marco. Today, we're diving deep into a pivotal moment of World War II, the Battle of Singapore. That's right, Marco. A battle often overshadowed by European theaters, but crucial in the Pacific War. Before we start, a quick reminder to our listeners, if you enjoy our podcast, please rate, subscribe, and share. A five-star review helps us reach more history enthusiasts like you. All right, listeners, let's travel back in time. The year is 1941. World War II is raging. Europe is engulfed in conflict, but today, our focus shifts to Asia, a theater often overshadowed in the annals of history. Exactly, Chuck. By the early 1940s, the Japanese Empire, driven by imperial ambition and a desperate need for resources, began its southward push. This expansion was part of a grand strategy to establish what they called the Greater East Asia Co-Prosperity Sphere. And at the heart of this sphere was Singapore, then a bastion of British power in Asia. Known as the Gibraltar of the East, Singapore was not just a strategic military base, it was a symbol of Western dominance, a crucial naval base guarding the Malacca Strait, a key route for commercial and military shipping. Right, and the British, they were confident in Singapore's impregnability. Massive coastal guns, a formidable navy presence, and a seemingly impervious location. It was a fortress in every sense of the word. But, as we'll see, overconfidence can be a perilous thing. Despite its fortifications, Singapore had vulnerabilities. The British focused heavily on a naval defense, underestimating the possibility of a land assault from the Malay Peninsula. Meanwhile, Japan was gearing up for an audacious plan. Their strategy? Speed, surprise, and exploitation of the element they knew best, the jungle terrain of Malaya. And let's not forget the global context. Britain, at this point, was heavily engaged in Europe, fighting for its survival against Nazi Germany. Resources were stretched thin, and the British Empire's attention was, understandably, elsewhere. A perfect storm was brewing, and Singapore was right at its centre. The stage was set for a battle that would shake the foundations of the British Empire and forever change the course of Asian history. So, who were the key players in this epic showdown? Let's start with the defenders. Singapore was primarily guarded by the British Commonwealth forces, a diverse and multinational group. That's right Marco leading the Allied forces was Lieutenant General Arthur Percival. Under his command were around 85,000 troops, comprising British, Australian, and Indian soldiers, along with volunteers from the Malayan population. Percival, an experienced officer, had served in World War I. But, Chuck, it's crucial to note that many of these troops in Singapore were inexperienced in jungle warfare, a significant disadvantage given the terrain and the style of combat they would face. Absolutely, Marco. The defenders also had a significant artillery and air presence, but as we'll see, it wasn't always used effectively. There was also a belief that the dense Malayan jungle was impassable for a large army, which contributed to a certain complacency in the defense strategy. Now, let's talk about the aggressors. The Japanese 25th Army was commanded by General Tomoyuki Yamashito, nicknamed the Tiger of Malaya. He was a seasoned commander, known for his sharp strategic mind. Yamashita's force was smaller, about 36,000 troops, 
but they were well trained, especially in jungle warfare. They also had a strong air and naval support, crucial for their rapid advance down the Malayan Peninsula. And let's not forget Chuck, the Japanese had a psychological edge. Their successes in the weeks leading up to the battle had boosted their morale. While the Allies were demoralized by the rapid Japanese advances and the fall of key Malayan cities, Yamashita also had a secret weapon, intelligence. The Japanese had effectively gathered significant information about British defenses, thanks to spies and reconnaissance. In contrast, the Allies underestimated the capability and speed of the Japanese forces. It was a classic matchup of might versus mobility, experience versus innovation. Two very different forces, each with their own strengths and weaknesses, about to clash in a battle that would rewrite history. The stage was set, the combatants ready. It's early February 1942. The Japanese launched their assault, signaling the start of the Battle of Singapore. But Chuck, the battle didn't start at Singapore's shores. The Japanese had already been advancing through Malaya for months, capturing key territories. They were using a combination of speed, surprise, and unconventional tactics. Exactly Marco. By the time they reached the Johor Strait, the narrow body of water separating Singapore from the mainland, the Japanese had already demonstrated their effectiveness in jungle warfare. And on the night of February 8th, they made their move on Singapore. The Japanese 5th and 18th Divisions began their assault, crossing the Johor Strait in the cover of darkness. They landed on the northwestern shores of Singapore, in the Sarimban area. The Allies were expecting an attack, but they were banking on a different strategy from the Japanese, a naval assault. This miscalculation proved costly. The Japanese were able to establish a beachhead quickly, catching the defenders off guard. And let's talk about the British defensive strategy Chuck. The northern coast was fortified, but the defenses were not as robust as they could have been. The British had spread their forces thin, overestimating the strength of their naval and air power. Meanwhile, Yamashita's forces, using light tanks and bicycle troops for mobility, pushed through the Allied defenses. Despite being outnumbered, they used the element of surprise and their superior knowledge of the terrain to great advantage. The Allied forces, scrambling to respond, were hampered by a lack of coordination and communication. There were also critical issues with supply lines and reinforcements. Over the next few days, the Japanese continued their push southward, capturing key areas like Tenga Airfield and the Jurong Line. The Allied forces were forced into a gradual, grueling retreat towards the urban areas of Singapore. It's important to note, Chuck, that while the Allied troops fought valiantly, they were up against a well-coordinated, highly motivated enemy. By February 15th, just a week after the initial assault, the situation for the Allies was dire. Lieutenant General Percival faced a tough decision, one that would echo through history. As the battle raged on, amidst the chaos and the fear, there emerged stories of extraordinary courage and heroism. One such story is that of Lieutenant Adnan Saidi, a name that resonates with bravery and sacrifice. A Malay officer in the 1st Battalion, Malay Regiment, Adnan led his troops in a ferocious defense against the Japanese at the Battle of Pasir Panjang. Adnan and his men held their ground at Bukit Chondu, also known as Opium Hill. Despite facing a far larger and better equipped enemy, they fought with unmatched valor. They were outnumbered, outgunned, and yet, Adnan's leadership inspired his men to resist fiercely. They fought hand-to-hand, -hand, in brutal close combat, using bayonets and even their bare hands. 
Adnan's stand was not just about defending a strategic position, it was a symbol of resistance, of refusing to yield against overwhelming odds. Another hero of this battle was Captain Robert Oakes, leading the British 1st Malayan Brigade. He orchestrated a series of counterattacks, trying to push back the advancing Japanese troops. Oakes' efforts, though ultimately unsuccessful in changing the tide, demonstrated the resilience and fighting spirit of the Allied forces. And let's not forget the countless unnamed heroes Chuck. Soldiers, medics, volunteers, civilians, all who braved the onslaught, doing whatever they could to support the defense. These stories paint a picture of a battle that was as much about the human spirit as it was about military strategy. They remind us of the extraordinary acts of courage that often emerge in the darkest of times. Despite the heroism we've just discussed, the situation for the Allies was deteriorating rapidly. By February 14th, the Japanese had captured the water reservoirs and the Bukit Timer area, gaining control of much of Singapore's essential resources. The loss of Bukit Timer was a significant blow. It wasn't just a strategic high ground, it was also the location of crucial supplies. With its fall, the Allied troops and the civilian population faced severe shortages. And Chuck, let's talk about the psychological warfare. The Japanese used leaflets and loudspeakers, broadcasting propaganda, and calling for surrender. This, combined with the relentless advance, was designed to break the morale of the Allied forces. Absolutely Marco. Meanwhile, the city of Singapore itself was in chaos. As the Japanese closed in, the civilian population suffered tremendously. There was widespread fear and confusion, compounded by shortages of food and water. On February 15th, Lieutenant General Percival faced a grim decision. His forces were battered, supplies were dwindling, and civilian casualties were mounting. The prospects of a successful counterattack were bleak. Percival convened a meeting at his headquarters in the Fort Canning bunker. The options were limited, continue fighting in a seemingly hopeless situation, or surrender to prevent further bloodshed. After intense deliberation, Percival chose to surrender. It was a decision that shocked and devastated the Allied troops. Many were prepared to keep fighting, but the situation was untenable. The surrender was formalized at the Ford Motor Factory, where Percival met with General Yamashita. It was one of the largest surrenders of British-led personnel in history. Over 80,000 troops became prisoners of war. The fall of Singapore was more than a military defeat. It was a symbolic loss that shattered the myth of European invincibility in Asia. It marked a significant shift in the power dynamics of the region. The surrender of Singapore on February 15, 1942, marked not just the end of a battle, but the beginning of a new, painful chapter in its history. Right Marco. The occupation of Singapore by Japanese forces, known as Sinantu, was a period marked by brutality and hardship. The local population, as well as prisoners of war, suffered immensely under harsh Japanese rule. The Sukching massacre is a dark reminder of this period. It was a systematic purge carried out by the Japanese military against those perceived as anti-Japanese. Thousands of civilians, predominantly ethnic Chinese, were executed. This tragic episode left deep scars on the psyche of Singapore and its people. It was a brutal reminder of the horrors of war and the human cost of military defeat. On a broader scale, the fall of Singapore had far-reaching consequences for the British Empire. It was a devastating blow to British prestige and signaled the beginning of the end of British colonial rule in Southeast Asia. The battle also highlighted significant shortcomings in British military strategy and leadership. 
It challenged long-held assumptions about Western superiority in warfare and exposed the need for modernization and adaptation in military tactics. For Japan, the capture of Singapore was a major victory. It boosted Japanese morale and momentum, allowing them to extend their control over Southeast Asia. However, this success was short-lived, as the tide of the war turned against Japan in the following years. In the long term, the impact of the Battle of Singapore was profound on the national identity of Singapore. The experiences of war and occupation were instrumental in shaping the desire for self-governance and eventually, independence. It also changed Singapore's strategic outlook. Post-war, there was a significant focus on building a strong military and fostering a sense of national resilience and unity. The legacy of the Battle of Singapore extends beyond military lessons. It's a story of resilience, identity, and the transformation of a nation. As we look back at the Battle of Singapore, it's clear that this was not just a military conflict, it was a turning point that had deep, lasting effects on the course of history. Absolutely, Chuck. The battle was a stark demonstration of the rapidly changing nature of global warfare. Traditional beliefs about warfare, especially the European-centric views on military superiority, were upended. It also highlighted the importance of intelligence and preparation. The British, despite their numerical superiority and strong fortifications, were unprepared for the speed and tactics of the Japanese forces. Right, and it's a lesson in the consequences of underestimating your enemy. The Japanese, often dismissed by Western powers, proved to be a formidable force with effective strategies, adaptability, and a deep understanding of the terrain. The psychological impact of the battle cannot be overstated. For the British and their allies, it was a humbling defeat that questioned the invincibility of the British Empire. For Asian colonies under European rule, it was a signal that change was possible. In Singapore and Malaya, the occupation and the hardships endured under Japanese rule left deep-seated traumas, but also sowed the seeds of nationalism and a desire for self-determination. And let's not forget the human cost Marco. The casualties, the prisoners of war, the civilian suffering, the human aspect of the battle is a somber reminder of the tragedies of war. Post-war, Singapore's strategic importance continued to grow. The lessons learned from the battle influenced its defense policies and contributed to its evolution into a major economic and military power in Southeast Asia. In a broader sense, the Battle of Singapore reshaped the geopolitical landscape of the region. It was a catalyst for decolonization and the emergence of new nations and new alliances. As we conclude, it's clear that the Battle of Singapore was more than a clash of armies, it was a pivotal moment that shaped nations, altered destinies, and changed the course of history. Thank you for joining us on this journey through one of World War II's most significant battles. Remember to keep exploring history, as every battle has a story, and every story has a lesson. Thanks for joining us on this journey through history. We hope we've shed some light on this often overlooked battle. And remember, we have some cool history AI podcast merchandise available now. Check the link in the show notes. And as a thank you to our listeners, we're offering a 10% discount on your first purchase. Just use the code The History AI Podcast, all one word, at checkout. We'd love to hear your thoughts and suggestions for future episodes. Reach out on social media. And if you like this episode, help us grow by sharing and giving us a five-star review. Until next time, this is Marco and Chuck signing off. Stay curious, history buffs.
step into the thrilling world of sports betting with The Starting Line, an introduction to sports betting. Whether you're a beginner or simply curious, this comprehensive guide takes you from the basics to the advanced. Learn to decode odds, develop winning strategies, and bet responsibly. Get your copy now and transform every game into an adventure. The Starting Line is your first step towards mastering the art of sports betting. Available on Amazon.